0: Genesis 3, verse 22 to 24. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man. And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and the flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Mark, thanks for reading the passage for us. Uh, The the question that I want to start this lunchtime is, why bother with an ancient book? See, I know by now uh, the capacity for Zoom meetings is fast depleting. Uh, Well, lunch breaks, well, there are time for coming off the screen um, and not looking at another Zoom meeting. And so why listen to talks on an ancient book, uh, the book of Genesis, a book perhaps some 3,000 years ago? Maybe another way to approach this question is, well, why bother with religion? Uh, Why not just focus on Personal development and growth. See, religion today uh, seems a bit out of place in our modern society. And maybe you you look around and you see your colleagues and other people focusing on self improvement, home improvement, self improvement, and it seems to be seems to be working. And you might ask, why why bother with with religion? Why bother with an ancient Hacks. Why not focus your efforts on improving yourself? You see, we begin a new series in Genesis, and this would take us up to chapter 25 to Easter next year. And it's a really good question for us to consider right at the start of the new series. Why bother? Why keep coming back each week? But I also want to suggest that this question that I've just asked, well, it's... But it's not a new question. So this question of, um, that we've been asking has been asked as well by the original readers of the book of Genesis. See, the original readers, they are Israelites in the Middle East. And back in that day, uh, there were superpower nations around the world, uh, big power nations like Assyria or Babylon. And these nations, uh, they were focused on development and progress. And they were prosperous. And they were growing. And they had this ancient book, uh, the book of Genesis, or if you like, the first five books from Genesis to Deuteronomy. And the prophets in their day, uh, they were calling them back to this book, uh, back to the book of Genesis, uh, to telling them to to consider, to, to ponder, to meditate on what this book has to say. And there's a real incongruence for them. You see, they see the other superpower nations who are, focusing on development and growing and prospering, and yet they're called to look at this book. So why? Why bother to, to turn to an ancient book when other activities seem more profitable? Uh, my goal for the next 20 minutes or so is to persuade you that it's worth listening uh, to the book of Genesis. It's worth listening because it speaks Truth. that uh, speaks truth into our world. And this is the big truth. Uh, that we, humanity, has been cast out. Out of God's presence, away from him. And as a result, we need a way back. A way to come home. Before we look at those two points a bit further, uh, let me suggest two points of orientation. Uh, If you don't have the handout in front of you, try to pull it up. Uh, You'll find it useful to follow along. The first point of orientation is that the book of Genesis is theological history and not scientific history. But what often happens when we come to the book of Genesis is that we bring our 21st century expectations and, biasness, and we, we tend to shut off whenever we hear something that we, we don't like. Uh, can I encourage you to recognize that the book of Genesis is written in a different time, in a different culture. It is an ancient book and allow the author to say and make his peace and then decide for yourself uh, whether what he says is right or wrong. Uh, let me quote from Henry Brocher, who is uh, a, Um, who wrote a commentary on Genesis, and he argues that our primary task is to discover what these key chapters in Genesis of the Bible originally meant uh, to the the readers and what the author was trying to say. And only then can we unravel the issues surrounding the human origins. I'm not saying that uh, the the book of Genesis, it doesn't hold up to 21st century scrutiny. Um, I think it does. But do recognize that it may not be saying how you expect it to say, Uh, not saying in the way you expect it to say. So first point, it's a theological history, not scientific history. A second point of orientation, I note that Genesis is a narrative. See, narratives, they are integral to to being human. Uh, Humans, we have been telling narratives and stories to each other since the beginning. Uh, you think about our ancestors who who sat around the fire and they told stories to one another. Uh, they told stories about what they did when they met a wild bear, and the next time you um, you you met you meet a wild bear. Hopefully you don't. Uh, you know what to do because you've heard a story. And likewise for us, uh, we've been telling narratives. Uh, we've been hearing narratives since young. We've been telling narratives to our children, and that that forms our expectations and actions. As we go on in life, study hard, go to a good school, get a good job, and you're sorted in life. You see, not all narratives uh, are right. Not all narratives are are comprehensive. See, no one told me how to live in a pandemic when I was younger. And so Genesis is a narrative uh, to understand this world. It speaks truth. It makes sense of the world we live in. And it also helps us to understand things, even a pandemic. So back to our question for today: Why bother with an ancient book? Well, why do we need religion? Why not just focus on personal growth and development? Well, our first point for today is that we've all we've all been cast out. If you're following a handout, do look at point one. The story starts with an ideal: life with God, in the presence of God. Uh, God is the good creator, he created the world, a good place for humanity to dwell in relationship with them. Uh, It's really intimate. The first couple of chapters in Genesis, uh, God He He provides for His people, Uh, He walks with them, He talks to them. And he gives them jobs to do. But we come to chapter 3 in Genesis. Uh, The humanity, they have been cast out of God's presence. Uh, The overall movement in Genesis is one of growing geographical separation and alienation from God's presence. Uh, Genesis, if you like, let me put it on the screen, um, has two halves to the book. uh, Chapters 1 to 11 and chapters 12 to 50. And in both halves of the book, uh, the, the, the chapter ends in exile. Well, in Genesis 11, where it ends, uh, the people land up, end up in the land of Shinar, uh, which is also the land of Babylon, and that is exile. And in chapter 50, uh, they end up in Egypt, uh, the land of slavery. And the movement of the book Genesis is always to the east. Adam is driven out to the east. Cain is driven out to the east. The peoples move east and end up in China. They are cast out of God's presence. Well, you might ask, what's so bad about moving to the east? Well, more than just a geographical alienation, there's increasing and growing relational alienation from god see god in the book on genesis becomes less and less personal to the characters in the book Uh, we see adam and enoch and noah and we read that they walk with god but by the time we come to abraham uh, abraham would be visited by an angel um, and with jacob there'll be more be less and less meetings with god and by the time you get to joseph God is completely silent in the Joseph narrative and he only hears visions from God. So that's the point, that there's a growing alienation from God. We are cast out of his presence. And if you think about it, uh, that narrative describes our present day experience. Uh, Humanity, we all have been cast out. Of God's presence we are outside of his presence we do not know him everyone lives as if God does not exist see consider the conversations that you were having this week or even this morning how much was it was done with an awareness that there's a God who created you and if you if you stop and consider it's absolutely ludicrous Well, it's that something can come out of nothing or that matter can come out of non-matter and that we live in a world without any acknowledgement to our creator. It's ludicrous. It's crazy. We have been cast out. We do not know God. And the consequence of that is that we as humans, we are deficient. We call good bad and bad good. When we come to chapter 4, uh, we meet a character. His name is Lamech. And Lamech, in chapter 4, he makes a song and dance about killing someone, about murdering men, and he celebrates vengeance. It's pretty grim. And you might say, well, surely we are, we are not like him. Uh, we, we don't call good bad and bad good. But well, really? Uh, think about the, the person that everyone in the office looks up to, the person who has made it. Uh, the person who has made it, but you know, has done so by sacrificing his family at the altar of Korea. And what do we call them? Uh, we call them success. You see, we, we are deficient. Uh, we call good bad and bad good. Genesis goes on to express more ways in which we do so. Uh, so do keep coming back. Well, the, the ultimate consequence of being cast out is that we we die. Uh, well, death, um, I'm sure for many of us, is a real issue in the midst of a pandemic for many of us. And I guess we all recognize that one day we, we will die. But why? Why do we die? Why should we have to die when we all want to live? See, the book of Genesis says it's because we have been cast out of the creator of life, the source of life, that is why we die. So why why bother with an ancient book? Why bother with religion? Well, because it gives us truth, answers, truths to understand the world that we live in. Truth that humanity has been cast out of God's presence. We are deficient and we die. You see, that's also why we, we can't focus on personal development and growth. See, if we are deficient and we call good bad and bad good, any kind of development that we have or we do will always be twisted or corrupt, perverted. And if we all die, any sort of development and growth is ultimately futile. See, the problem it runs much deeper Than what we realize. Well, why did we get cast out? What went wrong? We'll come back. Uh, We find out in chapter 3. And that is the plot of Genesis, or if you like the first five books of the Bible. How do we get back into God's presence? Uh, How do we come back home? But the book of Genesis uh, is not all doom and gloom, Uh, it gives hope. As well. And that's where we come to point two on your handout if you're following along. Point two the promise of spring will bring us home. I mentioned at the start that Genesis is a narrative, and it's not only a narrative, it's a carefully constructed and composed narrative by a really brilliant author. Uh, the book of Genesis has a repeated refrain that goes, these are the generations of. And it happens 10 times in the book of Genesis. And they act as structural markers to mark out different sections of the book. Uh, Chapters 1 to 11, you have first five. uh, Five times it comes up, these are the generations of. Chapters 12 to 50, another five times, these are the generations of. But you see, these, that refrain, it's not just a marker to mark out different sections in the book. But it also tracks two generations, or if you like, two family lines of two types of families. Uh, You have the blessed family and the cursed family. Uh, The blessed family uh, is the line of Abraham, it's Abraham's family. Um, And we will see that in chapters 12 to 25. And both family lines, they they function a little like a how-to manual. Um, the, the curse line, it's all about self-glorification and making a name for yourself. Or the blessed line, well, they're not great either. But with them, we learn about faith and repentance and self-sacrifice. Um, after we finish chapter 11, we will press on to chapter 12 to 25, and we will learn from the family of faith. We will learn how to navigate the issues of life by faith. I Learn how to make good decisions in life by faith. How to grow and develop your faith and how to walk by faith and not by sight. So keep coming and learn from the family of faith. But the real reason why family is important is it's not because I'm trying to encourage you to, to adopt Eastern values. Uh, the real reason is because of the promised offspring and the promised offspring who will bring us Home. We catch a glimpse of the promised offspring in chapters 3, verse 15. Let me put up the reference. And God speaks a promise that there will be offspring that comes from the women who will bruise the head, or if you like, crush the head of the serpent. And the, the rest of Genesis goes on to trace that promised offspring from Noah to Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. And one of the subplots in the book of Genesis is asking, "Who is this promised offspring?" I mentioned that the generations; uh, these are generations, are a structural marker for the book of Genesis. uh, But poems in the in the book of Genesis is also a key feature in the book. They are spoken poems are spoken by the central character in that particular narrative, and they summarize the theme of each section. I have put down some references in your handout. You can chase up the references after the talk. But these poems are not not only in in Genesis, but they stretch beyond Genesis to the first five books, uh, up to from Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, uh, four major poems. And these poems, in combination with one another, they paint a portrait of a promised offspring an offspring who is righteous and blameless. And in the last days, there will be a king who comes from the line of Judah. Let me put up a couple of references to to show you. So Genesis 49 verse 10 speaks about the scepter, or the one who holds the scepter, that is the king, um, shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. Numbers 24, another poem. Um, looks back in Genesis 49 and talks about how the scepter shall rise out of Israel and it will crush the forehead of Moab. Think back to Genesis 3.15, bruising the head. And Deuteronomy 33 verse 7 speaks about Judah and a prayer to the Lord to bring him to his people, to bring the king to his people. And what Genesis uh, is trying to say and trying to point out is that the promise offspring. Is a king who will arise from the line of Judah. But then take a look at what the New Testament authors are saying about 1,500 years later. They are saying that the promised offspring has walked the earth. Matthew, in his gospel, in chapter 1, verse 1, he starts by tracking the genealogy of Jesus Christ and traces his genealogy from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and to Judah. Matthew chapter 2, verse 6 quotes from Micah, and he recognizes that the rulers of Judah, um, from, from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And the point that the New Testament authors want to make is that the promised offspring has come, has walked this earth, and they have met him face to face, and his name is Jesus. So think about it. If you, if you call yourself a Christian today, the person that you follow, the one whom you call king, he is the one that the, the book of Genesis spoke of thousands of years ago. It's really mind-blowing. Historically, the book of Genesis, thousands of years ago, speaks about a person who will come, a king who will come from the line of Judah. And Jesus, the person you follow, is that promised offspring? And that is why at Covent Garden we are all about making Jesus known to everyone because he is the promised offspring. Uh, he is the only one who will bring us home, who can reconcile us with our Creator. Uh, let me also commend to you uh, Covent Garden Groups. Uh, it's a Bible study group that we will be starting at the end of September. Uh, it's for Christians to study monks' gospel together. And each week, if you do join that, uh, you be encouraged and to know that in Jesus, uh, you are not cast out. Uh, you have been reconciled with your creator. And you can call him father. Uh, so do think about whether you would like to join uh, Covent Garden groups as we study Mark's gospel this year. Uh, we also have another group called Meet Jesus. And this is specifically aimed for people who are exploring the, the faith, the Christian faith. Um, and whether you are a skeptic or you are uh, simply curious, uh, you're more than welcome. And we want to introduce who Jesus is, the promised offspring. So do consider joining. Or you can think of people who may benefit, but do consider inviting them. So why why bother with an ancient book? Um, that's a question I asked at the start. Well, because it speaks truth. It speaks truth into our world. It speaks truth that we have been cast out, out of God's presence, we are deficient, and we die. And therefore we need a way home. But it also speaks of hope. It points to the promised offspring. And only means the only means to return home. And only in Jesus, the promised offspring, he is the one who can reconcile you with your Creator. Uh, there are more truths that the, the author of Genesis would like you to know. Uh, but for that, uh, you have to come back. Next week, we look at Genesis 1 and we find out the purpose of humanity, uh, the purpose of your life. Uh, so do come back with that. Uh, but for now, uh, let me pray first as we close. Father, we praise you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he is the promised offspring, the one who is the king who comes from the line of Judah. And we praise you that in him, we can call you father. So we praise him and we thank you that we can know him. In Jesus name. Amen.